Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, my name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Danielle Vincent and Hannah Hodson. Hi, Danny. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. As always, um, welcome to this latest edition of the podcast that is brought to you on a weekly basis by the abuse team at Hugh James. Before we get underway, I need to remind everybody that we talk about very sensitive and difficult subjects. And so if you feel that you may be distressed in any way by what we discuss in these podcasts, now is the time to switch off and go and do something else. Otherwise, please do stay with us. So in this edition of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the tagging system upon release to protect victims of abuse. So what we're talking about is offenders being released from custody and being tagged. So that's the the opening line. And I'm going to hand over to Hannah to give us a bit of an intro. Yeah, so thanks, Alan. So as you said, we are going to be talking about the new tagging system scheme that has been launched by the prison service. It's being launched initially across the East and West Midlands. So I think it's almost like a a trial run first of all. And then if it is successful, they're planning on rolling it out nationally across England and Wales next year. So how the scheme works is it enforces perpetrators to wear electronic monitoring tags when they are released from prison. And The point of this is to help reduce the risk posed to victims having further risk being abused by the perpetrators once they come out of prison. So it's been announced that up to 500 prisoners will be trying it for the first time. And as part of the system, the tags will track them 24 hours a day. It can impose curfews on them. It can stop them coming within a certain distance of victims' addresses. Really, this is the main point of it, is obviously to protect victims from further harm from perpetrators. So how does this fit with existing arrangements? Because offenders, when they come out of prison, they are put on licence and the licence can have conditions such as you stay away from a certain address, you stay away from a certain area, you're not to contact X, Y, Z and so on. So what is the rationale when you've already got the ability to impose conditions on an offender's licence by tagging them. Well, I think this scheme they're going to roll out is an extension from the 2021, where it was tagging burglars, thieves and robbers using location data to pin them. So it's a slightly different way this scheme is going to proceed. But I mean, the difficulty is, is that in the way that you're speaking about, Alan, where there are conditions, it's very much the case of whether somebody, for example, say they breach their bail conditions and they turn up at somebody's home, the police are going to have to catch them in the act almost. And as we know, especially recently, with lack of police forces availability, that could be very difficult. We know, don't we, that from 
what clients tell us, they're always worried that the offender on his release or maybe her release from custody is going to somehow track them down and cause them more upset, more agony and so on. And in the vast majority of cases that doesn't happen, although of course we're only too familiar um, with those small number of cases where that has happened and some pretty awful and tragic events have followed from that. So we do know there's always that risk, but what I would emphasise in my experience, that is a small minority of cases. So one can understand the thinking behind all of this, but, you know, playing devil's advocate with all of this, you know, I've had cases where offenders have been tagged and somehow or other they've been able to cut the tag off. There have been other cases where the tagging monitoring people haven't done what they're supposed to have done and so on. So I'm curious as to how big a difference it is thought that this is going to make from the perspective of the the victim and the survivor. Well, yeah, you're right, because there's twofold here. I mean, it could give you a, a false sense of security to think that you're safer but as you say, the, these things do have the potential to, to to go wrong or to be cut off or damaged or, or whatever possible outcome there are. I mean, the, the purpose of this scheme, as the Lord Chancellor and Justice Secretary Alex Short said, was to help victims rebuild their lives and feel safer in their communities. So that's the aim of this scheme. And it's followed on from unwanted prison contact, which Hannah, you detailed in regards to preventing abusers from contacting their victims by phone or letter while in prison. So it's the next step in this protection. So looking at these statistics that you've been working on, Hannah, you've got one statistic here which says of the 2,700 users of the unwanted prisoner contact service, which I must say I wasn't really familiar with, FARD reports 93% were female. Yeah, so the unwanted prisoner contact service, it's something slightly different to what we were just talking about, the tagging system, but it is another scheme that the prison service have introduced and, and trying to make better. Basically, what it is, is it's online report system, as I understand it, that victims can use to basically let the prison service know that they don't want to be contacted by someone in the prison and the prison can then ban a prisoner from contacting someone via telephone or writing to them. So I think from research, they've basically advanced this system. So it's now online, but it's more accessible for people to use. Um, and I did also see that they now allow charities and support groups to be able to report for victims themselves. So obviously there's been an increase in the amount of people that have been reporting on this. That's basically what that figure is saying. Okay. Can you take us through these statistics to see if they justify this need for tagging? Yeah, of course. I mean, I agree with what you were saying, Alan. Obviously, it is, you know, the minority of cases where maybe the reoffending does happen. But of course, it's still, you know, terrible if even one case of this happens. But I think with this development of the tagging system, from my understanding of it, it's an advancement of it, because I did note that, This is not for every perpetrator that's released. It's for perpetrators that pose the biggest risk to victims. So I'm not too sure how they really decide that, you know, who gets it. I guess it's from the crime they've committed. So, yeah, having a look at some figures in relation to this, I wanted to have a look and see what the reoffending statistics actually were. 
So on the government website, from January to March 2021, the adult overall reoffending rate was 24.3%. And in the same period, looking at specifically sexual abuse offences, the reoffending rate is 12.4%, which is obviously half of that figure. However, looking at actually the increase of sexual assault offences that we've been seeing happening in recent times, they have actually been on the rise. So this figure is still really significant when you're looking at it in comparison to how many sexual abuse reports we are getting. So looking at the Office for National Statistics, the police recorded 193,566 sexual offences in England and Wales in the year ending March 22 which was the highest level ever recorded. So 12.4% is a significant number when we're looking at those kind of figures. Okay. All right. And so this is, from what I understand you're saying, is what lies behind this project to see if, you know, tagging helps. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're both right. It'll be very interesting to see what the criteria is for tagging you know the severity of the crime so that individual has a tag compared to others whether it's potentially you know directed at offenders that perhaps have abused minors or whether it's abusers that have offended against close relationships or an ex-partner but Hannah you're right 12 12.4% is very high for reoffending in, in sexual abuse crimes it's horribly high. It's, I definitely wouldn't want to see it that high. Any figure is obviously significant, isn't it? I mean, when we're talking about reoffending rates, as I said, even, you know, one is terrible, isn't it? That's the whole point. So, yeah, 12.4% is is really high. Yeah. Anyway, so it all sounds very worthy and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yes. Well, if this is rolling out, as you say, as as a trial, it will be interesting to see whether it's successful and whether those rates will change. But I always think these things take a little bit of time and it's still quite a small area to to judge it by. I was just going to say one thing that I did actually pick out in the research, which I thought was interesting and probably something that maybe wasn't looked at as much before, was the use of mobile phones in prisons as well. I don't know about you, but I have seen across different social media platforms a lot of prisoner accounts. So I guess it's something that is like on the increase. So one thing that they did actually point out in this unwanted prisoner contact service is that they are looking at the use of mobile phones as well, which would provide more reassurance to victims as well that, you know, it's not just covering the prison phones and those systems. They might feel better protected because they are looking at it from all bases, which would probably make them feel a little bit better about it as well. They feel better protected from that sense. Yeah, of course. I think once somebody has gone through, you know, not also a terrible experience and then potentially had the to face a criminal court case where they've had to give evidence that, you know, that individual is then actually left alone when the perpetrator has gone to prison and to be harassed by letter, email, text whatever it is 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 just a horrible thought and of course with a lot of these offenders they live in a world of denial don't they they consider themselves innocent or somehow justified in the crimes that they committed and my perception is is that they don't respect the decisions of the court anyway so i'm sort of intrigued as to how some of the you know offenders that we've had to deal with are going to respond to being tagged but anyway we shall see so thank you danny and hannah for this interesting topic for this um latest 
podcasts. So as always, if you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast or any of our other podcasts, please do get in touch. Likewise, if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, please do tell us. So it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Danny and it's goodbye from Hannah. Thanks, listeners. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.